0: For me, I think that black community, we always sometimes feel like we don't sometimes belong in America. So with that being said, going to a foreign country <laughs> was no, you know, we're used to adapting, you know, our community. So for me to go into another country and adapt, I wasn't afraid at all.
1: Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast that gives you news you can trust for the culture. I'm your co-host, Jaron Keith Gainer, managing editor at The Grio,
2: And I'm your co-host, Shauna Penix, social media director at The Grio. And this week we're asking, Dear Culture, would you live out of the country?
1: So, Shauna, before we talk about all things travel, what's on your mind this week?
2: Um, well, well, two things. One, pray for, for those living in New York right now during a heat wave. I'm going to turn down this fan uh, <laughs> that I have blowing on me. Um, that's one. And two, uh, we're going to talk about trash men this week again um and particular celebrity trashmen um so there is just a dragging on my heart for one russell simmons and one Tory Lanez. um now russell simmons <clears throat> for those who do not know and also let me say all of this is alleged i do not have proof i do not need you know lawyers after me you know there are some folks who are quite litigious we know. Uh, but I I do want to acknowledge, you know, I get very frustrated, especially when it comes from black people, typically cisgender, hetero black men uh, who love to throw out GOP talking points like cancel culture and the Me Too movement and blah, 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 blah. Because you would have like they would have you believe that this is actually a thing when it occurs to prominent black men in the industry. There are some who unfortunately just seem to be, or give the illusion that they are untouchable. And where that comes from is really and truly the fact that y'all, and I'm gonna say y'all, cause it, it is y'all um, who are enabling a lot of this nonsense. Um, so Russell Simmons, if you don't know, there is a long list of women um from what the 90s, 2000s, who have accused Russell Simmons. Um, who also let's let's remember Russell Simmons had a very, very young uh was what, what's that was that Kamora Lee? Remember when he got with her, she was a teenager, she was a child, but you know, that, hmm, let's <laughs> we'll skip over that part. But Russell Simmons has um, had several allegations against him uh for sexual assault. Uh there was even last year, um the uh, the HBO documentary, was it HBO, um, documentary called, uh, on the record, you know, it's just ladies speaking about their, you know, sometimes very violent sexual encounters with Russell Simmons. And I love that, you know, so many people love to say, well, Russell Simmons took lie detector tests and blah, blah, blah. Although legally lie detector tests are not, at you know, Permissible in this in the court of law because it's not an exact science. One, um, two, it's also possible to game the system. Three, it's also possible just to you know pay someone to say that you weren't lying. But cool. Um, but you know, let's remember Russell Simmons picked up himself. And as there were talks of possible indictments coming, Russell Simmons went and picked up himself and went to Bali. Now, if you don't know about Bali, Bali has They, their laws, you don't, you can't be extradited back to the United States, regardless of whatever charges that you may be facing. And I always found it funny that Uncle Russ, you know, would do things like, oh, I don't know, miss his daughter's high school graduation and her getting into Harvard, you know, university. All of these things would miss those because he wasn't coming back to the country. Cool. Now you have things like, Bill Cosby's convicted self, you know, and and not exonerated, not exonerated, but he was released on a technicality, Um, you know, things like that happen. And then Russell Simmons finds himself inside of the United States. Surprisingly, I don't know how or why, perhaps legal counsel let him know, hey, you know, it's probably safe for you to make a quick little dash to the States. Now, with that said, Kevin Lyles, who, if you don't know, he is a, uh, a huge record exec. Um, he's also the co-founder and CEO of 300 Entertainment. <sighs> Kevin Lyles find, found himself on Instagram posting a photograph of himself and Russell, like, just walking down the street. And my heart broke because Drew Dixon, who was one of Russell Simmons, Russell Simmons' accusers, you know, she she took a screenshot of this post and says it's amazing to me that people are totally cool rocking with a violent serial rapist and to the people who pretend to support me while liking and commenting on this photo i see you and drew went on twitter and she wrote this caption i'm here to tell you hashtag me too did not go too far saw this picture on instagram and it's so depressing the comments on the top of the photo are mine the original photo was posted by kevin law at kevin lyle's one who appears in this photo with russell simmons it's gross bro It's it's disgusting and you know that it's disgusting because here goes Russell, here goes Kevin Lyles making sure to limit the comments, like limit the ability to comment on any of his posts after he posts this this photo. Now, here's my thing. Yo, you wanna rock with Russell Simmons? You wanna rock with an alleged serial rapist? That's fine, but I want you to be able to stand 10 toes down in it. Stand 10 toes down in it. So if that's the case, Take all the heat that comes with it, bro. You don't get to, oh, I'm going to limit the comments and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. No, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. Because you look like a, like a, a, a B-word. That's what you look like to me. Um, also, MC Light, girl, I'm so, I'm so disgusted with you. That is one of the, the, the comments on that photo talking about, oh, I'm so glad to see y'all together. This is powerful. Girl, 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 put, you too old to be a pick me. Stop it. Cut it out. It's gross. It's gross. It's gross. Now, another little person who I need to go ahead and address, Tory Lanez. Let me tell you something. Your mama should have... She should have she swallowed. She should have swallowed, okay? Because then, at, honestly, at this point, then we would have been saved from your nonsense. Uh, Earlier this week, um, Tory Lanez found himself on Hot 97, and he was doing a freestyle on Hot 97 where he shouts out the baby, and he also like alludes to the uh, shooting situation or alleged shooting situation that happened with him and Megan Thee Stallion last um, last year. I want you to know, you tiny little man. I see you. I know what you on, and I want I, I want you to be under the jail. Daystar, the baby. You 2 Let's keep it a buck, homeboy. Real talk. Who keeps you on the charts was Megan. For real, for real. Because uh, cause rapping the same thing, you're using the same beat. And who has given you as much shine has been Megan Thee Stallion. So for you to be this disrespectful, bro, I don't wish you nothing but the worst. Period. Point blank for the both of them. But what about you, Jaren?
1: <laughs> she said what she said. Um, I'm going to switch gears to a, something more, you know, more heavy, unfortunately. Um, and that is to talk about the death of uh, Frankie Lons, who... Uh, was the mother of Keisha Cole. Uh, Many of us who watched uh, Keisha's reality show on BET know Frankie very well and their entire family and that story. And Keisha always had um, a strained relationship with her mother. Unfortunately, her mom passed away on her birthday. Um, She allegedly had an overdose. And, you know, it it really impacted me in a very real way because my nephew, he died from alcohol addiction and um i didn't know he was i didn't know i know he had a somewhat of a drinking problem but i didn't know it was alcoholism at least i didn't really know the signs at the time until he unfortunately passed away and addiction is so real especially in black and brown communities and you know i'm glad we're in this space now where we don't shame people for their addictions um we now understand that addiction is a disease and that Uh, there are things that people turn to, whether it's sex, whether it's liquor, whether it's drugs, uh, to to mend uh, their their broken hearts, um, to to mask uh, their traumas. And I think that Frankie was someone who we saw on the television screen as a, a living, breathing example of someone who is funny and charismatic and a full woman, but also had a struggle. And she did that in front of cameras, and I know that that wasn't easy for her. And it wasn't easy for Keisha's family, um, and I think that is such a, a a glaring example of the impact of the war on drugs and just the 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 ways the assault on Black and Brown communities. Um, because so many Black and brown communities have been uh, pushed aside and forced to live in poverty. Um, and there's so much pain in, in our communities. And so when you see someone um, as recognizable as Frankie succumb to her addiction, when we were all rooting for her, we were all hoping to see her come out on the other side and beat her addiction. And as some, there were points where she, she was sober, And I know Keisha has spoken out publicly so much about her desire to see her mother completely sober. And it's just so tragic to see that it it ended that way. And so my heart goes out to Keisha. My heart goes out to everyone who, who is either suffering with addiction themselves, or has a loved one who is suffering from addiction, um, is certainly not an easy thing. Um, and I, I really want us to continue to talk about these things um, openly and in the public forums that we, that we, you and I, Shauna, are so blessed to have because um, it's serious, it's really serious and then we can't ignore it. You know, so the, the country has been focusing so much on the opioid addiction uh, crisis uh, because it, it impacts predominantly white people. Uh, but so much of the addiction that happened decades before this opioid crisis uh, have, has been ignored for so long and, and there's, there are still ramifications of the war on drugs. And so I'm praying for Keisha um, and sending my heart out to, to her um, during this very difficult time.
2: Yeah, I I really wish that we as a community start to actually have, you know, these more serious conversations around addiction and around healing um, from that. I mean, hell, we lost DMX and I'm completely slipping on another hip hop legend to, you know, drug addiction just very recently. Um, You know, it's uh, we 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 got to do better, guys. And, you know, remembering that, again, addiction is a disease and there's so much There's so much healing and education that needs to happen in order for us to move past all this.
1: Absolutely. So on that note, let's get into the show. When it comes to travel, we can all think of at least one person who has left their hometown in search of someplace greater. We may even know some who have a penchant for moving from one city to the next. But nowadays, we're also seeing more people bid adieu to America altogether to live abroad. It's a huge and brave step to leave the world you know and adapt to new set of customs, cultures, and languages. This week, we'll be delving into what it takes to make such a bold step and are joined by a guest who has lived in several countries over the last few years. Let's get into it.
2: So, you know, we have a a super dope guest uh, (laughs) this week. But, you know, really quickly, what cities or countries have you lived in besides your hometown? I already know what your hometown is, but let the people know, you know, if we got new listeners. (laughs)
1: So I have only lived, well, I just recently moved to D.C., so I'm actually, for the first time in my adult life, getting to know a new city. But I lived in New York my entire life, with the exception of Atlanta. Uh, I went to Morehouse College, and so for four years, uh, back and forth between New York and Atlanta, um, I've only lived in New York City. And, you know, there's something uh, very, uh, I would say, invigorating about living in a new city. And sometimes... It can also be kind of terrifying. You know, I can speak for myself now here in D.C. I'm grateful to have, you know, somewhat of a starter tribe in that I'm getting to know people. I know some people already here. Uh, but it can be really scary leaving um, the home that whether it's a city, whether it's a country for the, that's the only place you've ever known. Um, and so for me, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what is, who is my new tribe? You know, where, where do I go? Um, and when you don't know your surroundings, you might not know where it's safe. Uh, you might not know uh, where to find your bar, your barber, or where to get your nails done. And so um, it's definitely not an easy thing. And I, I used to be really scared, honestly, to, to leave New York because that's is all I really knew, and I think that fear often stops people from taking a risk and just moving somewhere else and getting to know, uh, t- to see if you can thrive uh, somewhere else. And uh, fear often stops, I think, Black and Brown people because I think for so many of us, you know, or, or our parents, our grandparents, um, they are having relegated to only knowing. Um, their neighborhoods. And some of that is economical. You just don't have the the means to just pick up and go. Um, But then the other part of it is fear in that I don't really want to see what's on the other side. And I have so many family members who have been reluctant to leave um, their town, their hometowns. And it's really important to like stretch yourself uh, because you never know what is on the other side of taking that bold risk of just stepping out on faith um, and for me, I'm still discovering what that will be here in DC. I'm only a month in. Um, but it's also really exciting to, to get to know myself in a new city, uh, to to learn uh, my surroundings and knowing I get lost often. But sometimes getting lost is really fun. You know, you get to discover And I think one of the coolest, most beautiful things about life is that we have the opportunity to discover new people, new culture, um, new surroundings. And so I definitely encourage people to get out there and just take risks. What about you?
2: Kind of the same thing. Um, You know, born and raised in New York City. Uh, My first time ever living outside of New York was going to Spelman, you know, living in Atlanta. Uh, and then right after graduating from Spellman, I went to Nashville. I was I was in law school. I'm a law school dropout <laughs> uh, and realized how much I despised Nashville. like I'm not a country music listener. The one thing that I can thank Nashville and law school for was my discovery that I actually do enjoy beer uh, <laughs> because you know before that but for me it was, it was very fish out of water, um, you know, and 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 I I was so incredibly uncomfortable. Um, but after leaving Nashville, I actually went back to Atlanta for a couple of years and lived there, and really struggled um, for those first couple of years. Like, and honestly, in about a three-year time span, I moved back and forth, and I'm not kidding. I mean, like moved, like physically took all of my things, bed. You know, belongings, all of my things with me back and forth to New York about four or five times um, because I was I was very adamant that I wanted to be in Atlanta. But it was hard, like finding a job, you know, you have to switch your mind from, okay, I'm no longer going to be a law student. Like I I had envisioned being a student. So what am I going to do actually career wise? What the hell am I equipped to do (laughs) Career, career wise? Um, and you know, had a bunch of struggles with that. But then I would come home and I would be living in my parents' house and miserable because, you know, here go my parents over here, pretty much acting like I'm you know, like still in high school. And if I was like, no, I'm an adult, you know, unemployed, but I but I'm an adult and then and doing that whole back and forth rigmarole. Uh I actually, you know, moved back to New York in 2012 and have been here ever since, which is nine very long years, uh, six years longer than I ever actually anticipated. Um, and I funny enough have, well, not even have plans. I will be moving back to Atlanta, um, in January. And it's so funny that you talked about, you know, having the fear of leaving because what's so funny is I noticed, and this is why I say, you know, yes, the pandemic sucks. COVID was terrible. But 2020 was such an illuminating year for me about so many things. Um, what tied me to New York were two things. I mean, one is my parents, uh, you know, who they're living here. They're getting older. I always wanted to kind of just be around them and cherish these moments that I have with them. Um, also, my brother, he doesn't live in New York, but, you know, visits often enough uh, him, him and his family live in Rhode Island. I just met my brother. So I was like, maybe I shouldn't just dip off. to another state, you know, and, and kind of miss out on the opportunities of getting to know him and my niece and my nephews. Um, but what's so crazy is I realized, well, 2020 helped me realize is I'm so, I'm getting to the point where I'm like too comfortable here. Um, you know, the house that I live in, it's a brownstone, it's owned by my grandmother. I live in a two floor apartment on the first floor. My parents are upstairs. I do not pay New York City rent prices. I'm actually very fortunate, very privileged, very blessed. Um, I kind of am robbing my grandmother. She she loves me, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and but it's it's one of those things of realizing, like, you know, I'm an adult, but I'm not like an adult adult like being here. You know, I actually have it pretty kind of cozy. And again, it comes from a it's such a privilege to have, and I'm so blessed to have that. But I also realize, I'm like, yo, if I get married, if I have a kid, I can't do all this. Like, what, I'm going to split diaper prices with my parents? You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things. Um, and so me being like, all right, let me get myself into a mindset of moving to another city, of discovering, rediscovering Atlanta. Because the Atlanta, Jaren, that you and I, when we went to college, is not the same Atlanta it's a whole new world out here. Okay. Shout out to Aladdin and Jasmine. It's a whole new world. Um, and what's funny enough is I've kind of been, I've been, you know, apartment hunting. I go to Atlanta at least like once or twice a month. Um, for like since I got vaccinated and uh, doing the apartment hunting thing and saying, okay, all right, I see the area that I want to stay in. Hell no, I will not be in, bu- in Buckhead, the, the traffic is ridiculous. You know, like, and, and, you know, I, I found a new place for my, my sugaring wax and I'm very happy. All right. I found my lash girl. I'm getting my things together in preparation. <laughs> but, um, you know, what's funny is, though, I think eventually I will want to low key embrace the expat lifestyle. So well, I guess that's my question to you. G. Have you ever spent like extended time in another country?
1: I've never spent extended time. I've definitely traveled, Um, you know, speaking up, going back to what I was saying about fear. When I was in college, I had opportunities to to study abroad and I was just too scared. I was just like, it was really difficult for me to see myself outside the U.S. Part of that, I think, was a lack of imagination, which is, I think, is unfortunately something that's common in black and brown communities. Uh, We think that all we can have or aspire to is what's around us. And so, and I think being not, ex- never been exposed to um, over the, what it's like to be overseas if my parents didn't travel overseas um, when I was a kid, so we didn't take family trips. Um, and coming from Brooklyn, which was, uh, wasn't always safe, but it, it was at least the hood I knew. Um, I could not imagine myself like going somewhere else and possibly putting myself in danger. So I was just ignorant. I didn't really know what to expect. And so uh, when those opportunities came, I thought about it. But then I decided ultimately not to do it. And I just told myself, oh, maybe I'll do it next year. Maybe I'll do it when I graduate. And I'm so happy that I've been able to to see the world. Um, I've been to to Paris, to uh, Rome, uh, to Venice, to Thailand, to Barcelona. And the more I travel, the more, you know, obviously they always say your eyes are open. Like you just you realize that the world is so much bigger than the world that, you know, um, and then you see so many, uh, you know, differences, but you see a lot of similarities as well. And I think that when it comes to when it comes to like uh, class and, and uh, economics, you know, you have the working class, you have the poor, you have the, the established um, and I've been able to really see the world in a way that has really not only expanded my mind and my understanding of culture and how the world works, um, but it's helped me empathize more. I've become so much more of an empathetic person traveling around the world and seeing uh, some, of the, some of the ways in which I'm blessed, uh, but then also seeing the ways in which uh, other people from other cultures around the world, they're more free than we are here in America. We often, we often like praise America for having this great democracy. Um, and, you know, I had a conversation with someone recently who uh, is from South Africa. And, you know, she she mentioned that, you know, aside from the economics, like America being a very wealthy country, uh, she and many of her peers, they see the U.S. as... A third world country when it comes to social issues. And so when they see things like uh, Black Lives Matter and, and the whole movement, they, there are similarities that we all have. But ultimately, when you travel, you get to understand the world in a very real way. Um, and so uh, I've never lived extendedly, ex- an extended portion of time outside of vacation outside of the U.S., but I certainly would, you know, to your point, being an expat, I mean, like, given the Trump administration um, and the, the post effects of the Trump administration, it's not, you know, necessarily um, a far-fetched idea for Black people to decide to go back, you know, to Africa or to go elsewhere because we want to seek refuge from uh, the racism in America. I know people who during the pandemic decided to, because of the, 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 the availability to just work from wherever you want to. There are people who went elsewhere to work, including Africa, and some of them didn't come back. You know, some of them are like, you know, now that I've been exposed, now that you know my eyes are open, I'm never turning back. I'm never closing my eyes to to the possibilities of outside of the U.S. And so, never say never. You know, I definitely would consider it, um, but you know, you never know.
2: Today, we are joined by fashion designer Alicia Pinckney. Originally from West Philadelphia, born and raised, and newly based in Portland, Oregon, after four years in Switzerland, Alicia's career has allowed her to call six cities and three countries home. She's spent the last 10 years of her life designing menswear through PBH, Stone Island, Adidas SLD, and Timberland. Alicia recently ended her six-year journey overseas by accepting a new role to design men's apparel for the Jordan brand at the Nike World Headquarters. Alicia, welcome.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to join you in this conversation. Awesome.
1: Welcome. So that is a quite an extensive, uh, amazing resume. Um, and your travel experience is also a very extensive so just give us a brief synopsis of how this all came to be.
0: Um, yeah, I'll give you a very 30 second elevator pitch of how it came to be. So essentially, yeah, I am a designer. So my field has really um, gracefully, I'm, I'm really grateful for it, that my field has allowed me to be in so many different parts of the world. Um, but I started off by uh, getting my master's. I won a scholarship competition to get my master's overseas in Italy through Volgitalia. And from that, that was just like the catalyst of everything. So I spent two years living in Italy, um, the first year getting my master's, the second year working with different Italian companies, um, moved back to America for a very short period of time. But I knew I didn't want to be there. So, um, you know, I had a job that I applied for Timberland. Um, got it right away. And then I ended up moving my life back over to Switzerland. Um, so even though I was in Switzerland for four years, I was abroad for a total of six, um, with a tiny little stint back in America,
2: but it's really just all based off of my career essentially. So, all right. So you say you had to make that big move. And I mean, that was for educational purposes, but what have been like your friend, your family and friends reactions to, you know, you, you dibbling, dabbling outside of the country like this, (laughs) what has been their overall reactions?
0: Um, I think I, I always received a lot of support. I think um, I've always been like that creative person. And um, I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a designer. So um, I think people stereotypically think that designers are like jet set and blah, 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 all these things. So the moment that it came to me that I was like, hmm, I want to live in Italy. My dad, for one, he's one of those people that thinks Fashion designers are literally all over the world. And he was like, yeah, boo, this is what I, you know, go after your dreams. I support. So it was, I think, because they knew the package of me was I knew I wanted to be a fashion designer for a young age. My family just literally supported every move that I made, because even when I was in America, I was always on the go. Like I lived in New York. Um, I was always traveling. So kind of just it wasn't really a shock or a surprise that I wanted to move my life
2: <laughs> overseas. Got you.
1: Wow. Wow! Now, you were obviously very excited about traveling abroad, but were there any hesitancies at all about moving your life to a whole new country and being away from family and friends in the world that you grew up in?
0: Um, Not really. And I'm only speaking from like a woman of color. I feel like, you know, in America, being black in America, you always feel like sometimes you don't really belong in spaces, especially in corporate white America and things like that. So for me, I think that black community, we always sometimes feel like we don't sometimes belong in America. So with that being said, going to a foreign country was no, you know, we're used to adapting, you know, our community. So for me to go into another country and adapt, I wasn't afraid at all.
2: Okay, so. You know, and I'm glad you kind of touched on the race aspect because I want to let's let's jump into that real quick. Um, obviously, anti-blackness, unfortunately, is pretty global. Um, what has been your experience in terms of, you know, from a, a racial aspect like living you've lived in three different countries. So what has been your experience in terms of like, you know, life, culture, how you're treated? Et cetera, et cetera.
0: I can definitely say I hadn't had any um, negative experiences of being Black and abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been very welcoming. And I think also because a lot of people are number one obsessed with American culture. So mm-hmm. if you add another layer of being Black, a lot of Europeans and people abroad think that the Black culture is cool. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm a part of the Black culture and I'm American. So with that being said, you know, I, I had good experiences even in, um, you know, working with the, so many different nationalities um, when I was working at Timberland, you know, it was always just a fun time learning about the different cultures. So I didn't really experience anything horrible from like, you know, obviously what we will see, the microaggressions in America. I mean, there were little moments like, you know, and I think this is something that just follows me for the rest of my life, that whenever I would change my hairstyle, that was always a conversation. And I had to kind of give these people grace because, you know, in America, I don't expect people, you know, I feel like you can do your research. You know, you've you've seen so many different black American women around and you see how they change their hair. So, you know, when not to make certain comments, but. Um, being in Europe, I had that same, um, curiosity from people when I would change my hair up and I had to learn to just give them grace and be like, okay,
2: (laughs) because we are in
0: Switzerland and maybe there aren't a lot of black Americans here. So (laughs) it's just that balance of,
2: you know, learning how to deal with different cultures. Okay. And I kind of have like a part B to this question. And I asked because, so, you know, I've done the whole like travel abroad thing. I've never lived abroad one day. (laughs) Um, but one thing and i wanted to know if this has been your experience as well one thing i noticed was especially during like the obama administration era traveling abroad as a black american especially once people heard the accent and you know they see the passport it was a very um it was very welcoming it was very oh my god you know it it Honestly, I've never felt that much black privilege. It was amazing, right? Um, as opposed to, like, I went to Thailand for two weeks by myself um, during the Trump administration era, and it was very different. Um, <laughs> it's it, like you still have, you know, the the American privilege, I guess, um, but the overall reaction, uh, it it, I saw that it it varied greatly, you know, depending upon who was leading our country at the time. Has that been your experience as well?
0: Oh, for sure. I think it literally just opens up um, conversations, sometimes conversation that you don't want to have that you just end up falling, fall into. Um, But yeah, it definitely does enter conversation. So when I moved abroad, I was, it was Obama was president and um, I actually missed Trump's presidency because I was away during the whole time, essentially. But to answer your question, um, it literally brought up different conversations. Like um, so it goes from like people like, wow, you had Obama as your president to when, you know, when we were going through the election process, Um, when we've gone through the, the, the actual election process, people really just talking a bit condescending about Americans Saying, um, "Wow, you guys are actually, um, you know, taking this seriously and actually voting him into office." So those are the conversations that I had to had to have, and I'm like, "Well, it's not me." So you don't you know, group me into this conversation. And then it also turned that and ended up turning into also conversations of like, you know, I've met like German police officers who were like, I just don't understand the police in America. Why Why are they doing these things? So being that black person, they feel like they need to have that kind of conversation with me. If I was of another ethnicity, I doubt that, you know, a German police officer would have that conversation with me. Like, wow, what are the police doing over there? It's really crazy. We weren't trained that way. So I definitely think the political really drove a lot of conversations being black and abroad.
1: Wow, wow. that is fascinating. Um, But now that you are back in the U.S. with Timberland, uh, are you happy to be back in the U.S. or or would you prefer to be back abroad?
0: I'm actually back in the U.S. with Jordan. So with that being said, I'm very happy to be back because, you know, Jordan, Nike is like the top, you know, brand in the industry. Like when you think of sport, um, Nike and Jordan is just up there with like the Facebooks, the Apples. So I'm really, really excited about that because, you know, it's like, where do I go from here, kind of thing. So um, I'm really happy. Um, I I am I have mixed feelings about being back in America. I think people look at my life and they're like, oh wow, she's moving back to America. Why would she do that? She's living in paradise. Well, I've spent six years of my life, my twenties, living in um, you know, and and overseas. And I feel like to each his own. Everybody has different experiences, mm-hmm. and um, I do feel like you know, entering this new decade. So I'm 30 now. Um, I think my priorities shift. And, you know, obviously uh, family has always been big to me, but that idea of being able to hop on a plane immediately, you know, if something happens in my family, even though I was doing that (laughs) when I was overseas, I remember going home for the weekend, like crazy stuff like that. But um, I don't know how to answer your question, because for me, I feel like I'm very... I feel very global in the sense that nothing's holding me back just because my address is in Portland doesn't mean I'm not going to hop over to France for the weekend or, you know what I mean? And then also my company is so, you know, I'm so privileged to work for a brand where we travel for a living. So I think the world is so accessible. And I think that's one thing that we've realized with this whole shutdown of the world, how, how good we had it. Like, literally, I was in America maybe about five times in 2019. You know, I was in Asia at the top of the year and um, before COVID, like literally a month before COVID was announced. Mm-hmm. So I think that same global perspective that I had, that mobility, is nothing stopping me because
2: my address is based in America. Mm, that is so dope. Uh, so I'm going a, to a get a, a, just a tinge into your business, just a little <laughs> bit, right? Just a little bit. Uh What is the love life? What is the relationship aspect like (laughs) abroad, especially, you know, being a black woman? I mean, listen, these apps are terrible out here. You got people anti-vaxxers. You got a whole bunch of stuff going on, (laughs) you know, going on uh, on this realm. But I guess what is your advice for anyone who, you know, maybe? hesitant about going abroad because they're like am I going to find a bay in this other country or or not (laughs) listen I just
0: say be open-minded um because number one first of all when you're living in another country you need to be open-minded because you never want to be disrespectful and force your culture on another country where you're
2: the guest here like what what do you mean this place doesn't have that well you decided to move here you (laughs) know so um I I want (laughs) to cut you off real real quick right there right uh, this is a PSA for all the white folks who like to travel to other countries and act uh, as fool, okay? Listen to black women, okay? She's giving you very good advice so that you don't end up in nobody's jail, killed, <laughs> thrown out, nothing. But go ahead. I'm sorry, Alicia, go ahead. <laughs> no, don't worry. That is a good PSA, you know? Um, but
0: to answer your question, I think just be open-minded. Like, you know, it's so nice uh, being wooed and wined and dined overseas. <laughs> You know, I I had a great experience um, with dating different men and different cultures bring different cultures, bring out different sides and different facets of men that you didn't realize you want it essentially you know how just in dating in general minus being abroad you know how you date different people and you realize oh I really like those qualities about that person I want this in my actual person or oh I really didn't like this about this guy I don't want that so being abroad it really kind of opened up different um, behaviors and men that I wasn't used to experiencing in America so now that I'm like you know I know what I like and what I don't like and it's really nice that it was a cultural kind of experience that made me, you know, add more things that I like. And, you know, yeah, I think it's very interesting. And I think people just need to be open minded. I was faced with some people who genuinely who I genuinely dated, but then people who were just like, oh, black woman. Oh, hey. And just wanted to check me off of their, um, you know, their (laughs) list. So, you know, you just got to be wary of, you know, obviously what your intentions are, what their intentions are. But of course, Black women around the world, we're always like, you know, overly sexualized and things like Mm -hmm. that. You just got to be smart and navigate, especially if you want, if you want something, if you want to just have fun, fine, you can be oblivious to all that. Mm -hmm. But I think if you really are just genuinely want to have a good experience and date and just be cautious about that as a Black woman specifically.
1: Absolutely. And so what advice would you give to those who are thinking about living abroad, uh, but maybe they're hesitant themselves. And a second part to this question is, what have you learned uh, the most about yourself or the world uh, with all your your experience traveling?
0: My advice would definitely be just go for it. Don't be afraid. Like, I think it's so, I think it's just literally about opening your mind. A lot of people look at the idea of going overseas and think it's something so grandiose. It is, don't get me wrong. But the same way that someone's able to hop on a plane from the East Coast, to the West coast that in terms of travel time is similar. Like that's how I was back and forth between like New York and Paris or Italy because the time is very similar. But also um, I think it's just like, even if you move to a new state within America, you're going to be, you know, tasked with meeting new people, new, learning new things about that state, even though it's not a different country, it's another state. So I think just be open-minded, don't be afraid, you know, and you'll probably find a nice expat community. And if you don't, you can still integrate. And it's even amazing when you don't have expat friends and you have like local friends. Um, and then the second question you asked, what did I learn about myself? I really just, um, for me, I love my solitude and um, it it really helped me understand how to be patient with different cultures because, you know, I learned the language. I learned Italian while I was there um, because also Switzerland spoke Italian as well. The part that I was in the Italian region. So I spent six years um, learning Italian, but um, before I was really, you know, good at it, there was, you know, moments of communication where it just wasn't working. And I would be so frustrated. I would be frustrated with um, the timings of things. Like if they would, if they would close the post office from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. and I'm at the door at 12.55, I'm like, what you mean you're closing? So for me, I had to learn patience. And I think that has entered my life in terms of how I you know, how I respond to people in situations, I'm less reactionary and I take the time to actually absorb it and then make a, you know, a reaction. And I think that's all based off of that, um, that patience that I built with speaking with people who didn't have English as their first language or me just trying to speak the language at, at a time when I wasn't that good at the language. So mostly, yeah, react. How do I enter interact with people basically?
2: Okay, cool. So my last question, um, and this is, I know we've been hitting you with two part questions, girl. Uh, so the first one would be just overall, like getting around in these countries. Did you have a car? Did Was there public transportation? Are you walking? You know, you you were in New Yorker at some point in time. You know how we do. Um, that's one. And the second part was as a woman and particularly as a black woman, did you feel safe in these different countries? Were there ever any instances where... you know, rape culture is kind of crazy out here in, in the US. I don't know, you know, what it's like In in other countries as well. So,
0: yeah, so transportation was amazing. Um, And I think because I'm a city girl and I'm used to taking trains and things like that, Mm -hmm. actually overseas, their train systems are like way better than like the Philly SEPTA Mm -hmm. and like the New York (laughs) Metro and things like that. So, for me, I was able to really grasp that really easily. And I've never owned a car. Like, I I can drive, I have my license, Mm -hmm. but I've been living in major cities where literally it's either a walkable city, like in Milan, it was very walkable, but Mm -hmm. their transit was also very easy. Or like New York, like you said, you know, I didn't need a car in, in New York, um, Switzerland. I lived across the street from the train station. So literally um, 30 years of my life, I haven't had a car being now in Portland. A lot of people who are used to driving, they're like, oh, Alicia, you're going to need a car. And I'm like, I spent 30 years of my life without a car. Let's see. I mean, I can drive and I'm open to the opportunity if I need to. But I survive without a car. Public, trans- uh, public, public transportation is amazing overseas. Mm hmm. Um, and then to answer your question about safety, um, that is such an interesting question because I felt super safe overseas. Like even in Switzerland, I was realizing that I would do things that I wouldn't do in America, and I didn't even second, I didn't even think about it like as a second thought. in, in terms of, you know, I'd be walking home after you know dinner at like 1 a.m. by myself, not afraid. I go out and check my mail super late. Like I wasn't afraid to be honest. When I found out I was moving to America. I was kind of scared inside like, oh, crap, I'm moving back to America, not only because of the race issues in America, but also I've always lived alone in all these places. So now I'm moving to Portland where I'm going to be living alone. I'm afraid. Oh, my gosh. And this is coming back to my home country, which yeah. is really sad. You know, Switzerland was like a utopia, a bit of a fake utopia in terms of everything was clean. <laughs> everything was super safe. You know, I left a bike out front of my apartment and um, the next day they put it in the rack for me instead of stealing it. Oh. You know, I felt very sad safe abroad and um i think i just need to build the confidence and being back in america like oh crap i'm not no games you know gotta watch my back i mean obviously you watch your back overseas as well but i just felt really safe
2: uh listen that is that is a privilege because when i tell you when i took that little thailand trip and my daddy said listen don't go over there and get taken like like He said, I am not Liam Neeson. If you got taken, you just got took. Like So <laughs> so figure it out. But that that is amazing. Um, and something, you know, another piece of food for thought for those thinking about moving abroad.
1: <laughs> well, Alicia, thank you so much for your insight and sharing your inspiring story. And for our listeners, we really hope that Alicia's journey is Inspires you to take big risks for even bigger rewards. And the world's expensive, so it's meant to be explored. So we hope that you take something from this conversation. Alicia, thank you again for joining us here on Dear Culture.
0: Thank you for having me. I really appreciated this conversation.
2: We want to remind our listeners to support your local Black businesses and donate to your local organizations and religious institutions. The business that we will highlight this week is Black Talent in Design and Fashion Fund. Founded by Alicia Pinckney, Black Talent in Design and Fashion Fund is an initiative set to directly fund Black students studying to enter the fashion and or footwear industry. To date, the fund has provided scholarships to students accepted into Philadelphia U, Drexel University, Savannah College of Art and Design, the University of Cincinnati, and more. Black Talent in Design and Fashion Fund has been sponsored by Target, Lilith NYC, and New Balance. To learn more, apply for a scholarship, or donate to the fund, visit their website at www.blacktalentfund.com.
1: Thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know.
2: And of course, please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments. We love those! To podcast at thegreel.com. The Deer Culture Podcast is brought to you by The Grill and executive produced by Blue Salusma and co-produced by Taji Sr., Brenda Alexander, and Abdul Kadus.